Jesus provides the way. And the church needs people who are on the way, have engaged the way, and can guide others in the way of being transformed into the image of Jesus so that the world might know and see and become aware of the reality that there is, there is a life to be lived that is full, that is whole, and is holy. Welcome to episode 26. I'm Adam Como, host of the Walking Closer podcast. Spiritual direction and spiritual formation have have always, in, in one shape or another, been an essential element in the Christian life. Now, we may have used different language in the past, expressed it in different ways, but it's always been central to the Christian life. Unfortunately, I believe it hasn't uh, been understood, directly talked about enough, and, and is even even an element that that is neglected overall. It's the reason why why much of of Christianity seems to be more optional for many Christians. Uh, in other words, you could do these things, but you don't have to. It's it's not necessary type of mentality. And there is sort of this 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 pie in the sky vision of what Christianity is all about and it's almost like as if we believe we we have our ticket and now we're just waiting for the ticket collector to make his rounds uh, to get us out of here and you know we 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 live largely like like we don't believe what we see in scripture what we read in scripture or even about uh you know in the lives of people who've gone on before us who were christians we we almost think that that's not for us or that cannot be our reality. It's like we don't believe Psalm 23 or the Sermon on the Mount or 1 Corinthians 13 can be realities for us. You know, largely the images painted for us in Scripture or are not seen as viable options for us today. We, we read certain descriptions of how we should be responding and conducting ourselves, and we just, just simply don't connect with them or see, see even how it's possible and I think at least one factor involved in all of this is explained in, in John 6. So you have those in John 6 who are seeking after Jesus. Uh, Jesus feeds 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, and then all of a sudden he just seems to disappear. And so this group of people begin to put in a whole lot of effort into trying to find Jesus, and that effort takes them to travel across the Sea of Galilee. And when they find Jesus, they're like, when did you get here? How long have you been here? But Jesus poses them uh, uh, with an idea. Uh, he makes a statement that I th- believe that we need to think about very, very closely. Jesus says, you're not looking for me because of the signs that I have done. You're looking for me because I gave you bread to eat. Now, there was something very significant about the things that Jesus was doing. And the signs that he was doing were pointing to something that went beyond just the fact that they were given bread. Bread to eat, bread to consume, physical things. Now, I... I, I I, I don't think it's wise for us to look down upon these people when you truly understand their circumstances and their predicament and you go further into uh, what it would have been like to, to be them 
in that moment, I'm not so sure that we would have been any any different, which is why that's what makes the words that Jesus says here so important to us that we need to listen to. So what Jesus does is he tries to push them to begin to see beyond what they see, to go beyond what they've experienced, and to see uh, the significance of the events that have taken place. The fact that they were given bread pointed to a sign, and the sign pointed to something more significant. And that which it pointed to was the fact that Jesus, Jesus, he was the one upon whom God has set his seal, as it were, his, 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 his authority, his, he is approved of, as it were. It was Jesus that they should have entrusted themselves to. God sent him so they could entrust themselves to him. But the thing that they missed was, and this is the reason why they missed it, the fact that they were still looking at surface things. And they weren't looking below the surface. They needed to look beyond what they saw and beyond what they were experiencing and look to the eternal things, the things that were below uh, the surface. And, And I think just as Jesus was pushing them to go deeper, he pushes us to go deeper, to see beyond what we see and experience. You know, we, we and we, we have we have to look below the surface and dive into what's going on there, below the surface. If if we want to experience the life that we are promised, we have to deal with those things. And when we look below the surface, what we're looking at is, is those things that we really value, where our trust really lies, what we actually believe because it's there that Jesus challenges us. He challenges all these things. He takes us deeper and deeper into the struggle of wholeness and and healing and restoration where where no aspect of who we are goes untouched. And, And the process itself takes us into a deeper and deeper communion with God. And it's this deeper communion that allows us to experience an inner freedom and a wholeness. And the path to this is holiness. It is, it is the path that reconnects us with the source of life that we have been disconnected from. That's what the Christian life is about. And that's what Jesus came to do. And this is so often what we are missing in this life, even as Christians. We, we experience it. Like We know that it's missing, and we see it in other people's lives as well. It is truly indeed the case that you'll know them by their fruits, and when you fail to see it, but you believe that you're doing all the right things and you have all the right ideas, but you still fail to see the fruit, either you just walk away completely or you just say, well, I, may mis- I must be misunderstanding some things, or that's just not a reality for me, or we come up with some ideas, some reasons, some assumptions, uh, because what we see and, and what we experience, well, they just, they just don't add up. Well, I, I think it's really uh, explained uh, really well by Jesse Trotter, who is an author of Christian Wholeness, Spiritual Direction for Today. He said it this way, the glory of God is a person fully alive. So wrote Theranius in the second century. Let yet look about you. How many people seem to be busily contriving to stay half well or half alive? So we overwork, oversmoke, overeat, and overdrink. 
Think about it. How many of us are just simply trying to barely make it through it all? Are we really living fully enriched lives? And instead of fully pursuing after God, we pursue so many other things that leave us, as Jesse says, half well and half alive. He goes on to to, to say say something like this. He says, we run away. We run away forward into work, backward into tranquilizers, upward into fantasy, downward into depression, and sideways into evasion and avoidance. And we get stuck in these cycles, right? We, and breaking out of these cycles can seem m- impossible. And if we become aware of the cycle and even desire to break from them at all. But regardless, regardless, Jesus provides the way. And the church needs people who are on the way, have engaged the way, and can guide others in the way of being transformed into the image of Jesus so that the world might know and see and become aware of the reality that there is there is a life to be lived that is full, that is whole, and is holy. Because, because listen, there is no shortage of things that can pull us away and lead us into a, a different direction, right? Away from the formation that needs to take place. Sometimes it's just a bigger challenge than we are prepared for, right? Sometimes it's just downright difficult. Sometimes it's our own sins, our own habits, our own character issues, the ideas and images that occupy our own minds, right? Sometimes it's just the, the things we believe about ourselves and the world around us. All of these and more seem to be ready at the helm to detract us from making any real progress towards being transformed into the image of Jesus. This is why we need, the church needs people who are on this way, have engaged the way, can guide others in the way of being transformed into the image of Jesus. The Christian life, the way of the disciple of Jesus is the process of leading us through this transformation of breaking out of these cycles. It's a process that that carries the mind and it brings it to the place where it is centered on God, on who he is, on his love, on his kindness, his grace, his compassion, his greatness, his power. When we, we place our minds on the things that are above, it helps to paint this image for us. And one of the reasons why reading scripture is so important, it helps to set these images of God and who we are and what we are a part of. It helps to set these images in our minds and in our minds that are occupied with all sorts of broken images, right, that, that, are, that are corrupt. And those images need to be replaced with these images, which is why contemplating various ideas and images presented throughout Christian literature, uh, listening to podcasts like this and other audio forms and taking in other forms of Christian media can prove to be extremely helpful in this process as well. Now, the journey, it also leads to transformed feelings where we are, are no longer dominated by the negative feelings that come with Things like hatred and anger and jealousy and envy and others. And instead, we'll be filled with those feelings that correspond with love and joy and peace. Now, these are only a part of the entire picture, though. Only pieces of the multi-layered puzzle. We have addressed these specific aspects, right? The mind, thoughts and images, and the feelings... We've addressed all these things individually, at least to some degree. 
But as I have said, and, and we all experience, we all know this, these do not function independent of one another. While, while we can talk about them separately, inevitably we have to begin to talk about them together and, and talk about how they relate and affect one another. And this is exactly what we've been trying to do thus far, and hopefully that has been made clear throughout all of the previous episodes of this podcast. We have talked about our minds, that is, our thoughts and our images and our feelings that occupy our minds. We've talked about how these work together, how they have been formed and how they formed us. Uh, most importantly, why and how they may need to be transformed. But now what? Where do we go from here? Well, another necessary part of this discussion must include a discussion specifically about the heart. Now, when we talk about the heart, again, the discussion necessarily will involve various things, like our freedom to choose, our own personal wills, and our character. I believe that it was touched on in episode 3, way back almost a year ago, where the terms the will, the heart, and the spirit are all really referring to the same thing, and that's, that's how I use them. This is how Dallas Willard used them and referred to them, and I, I think it very helpful and it makes sense. And we'll just rehash this just for a moment. When we say the words will, heart, and spirit, we're talking about the same things. We use the term will when we're talking about the, the, the power to initiate, to make choices, right? Which is, which is how we exercise our wills. We talk about the spirit, that is, because it's of a spiritual nature, which makes sense because we are created as spiritual beings. And then we refer to it as the heart, and this is how we mostly refer to what we're talking about here. We refer to this as the heart because it's the position, it's position as the center or the core of who we are. And our thoughts, our feelings, and our wills, or our hearts, all function together. They, they inform one another in a back-and-forth dance, informing and shaping one another. In other words, our thoughts and our feelings depend on our wills, and our wills depend on our thoughts and our feelings. They inform and shape each other. But it's important to understand that it is our wheels or our hearts that direct our minds in the direction they go. And it's from this comes the choices we make, which is how we exercise our wills, as I briefly stated. And from this, we take action. And essentially, every episode of this podcast has sought to explain this and lead us where we are today. And hopefully you see how you cannot just focus on transforming the heart or the will without the mind, that is the thoughts and feelings, being transformed as well. So for the next couple of episodes, we're going to address the heart. We're going to do this by talking about such things as our character, our will, and the process of transforming the heart and, and what that looks like and the roles we play and, and really what we're up against. We'll begin these discussions next time on the Walking Closer podcast. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and share. Connect with me on the Walking Closer Facebook page. Drop me a message or any questions that you may have. Make sure to join us next time as we explore becoming like Jesus from the inside out.